came to pass as the Lord was praying in a certain place when he ceased one of his disciples said unto him Lord teach us to pray as John also taught his disciples he said unto them when ye pray say our father which art in heaven hallowed be thy name thy kingdom come thy will be done as in heaven so on earth give us day by day our daily bread and forgive us our sins for we also forgive everyone that is indebted to us and lead us not into temptation but deliver us from evil and he said unto them which of you shall have a friend and shall go unto him at midnight and say unto him friend lend me three loaves for a friend of mine in his journey is come to me and i have nothing to set before him and he from within shall answer and say trouble me not the door is now shut and my children are with me in bed i cannot rise and give thee i say unto you though he will not rise and give him because he is his friend yet because of his importunity he will rise and give him as many as he needeth and i say unto you ask and it shall be given you seek and ye shall find knock and it shall be opened unto you now in a few moments and i i think the lord is a good mathematician i have some notes that i want to give to you all i'm going to say tonight more or less is there on the two sides of a page I was teaching this lesson in combined bible classes in California some time ago and as is always my custom I hand out the notes and I had 22 left over and the lord said take those with you to that bible conference and unless i made a mistake there are 22 ministers here tonight so it, it it'll fit but now let's get going The Lord had been praying and his disciples watched him and listened to him. And when he finished they said unto him, "Lord, you teach us how to pray as John taught his disciples." Now it wasn't that they didn't know how to pray. The point was they had come to the place where they understood that when he prayed something happened when they prayed nothing happened and they've got cousins in Caroline we pray and get nowhere in the heaven right so he taught the prayer as you all know but then he seemed to say now sit down <coughs> sit down and i tell you a story my chart simply depicts what's here it's midnight and the family has gone to bed 
uh, an eastern home was a kind of a two-level business. Uh, there was the lower section, that was, the floor was hard, trampled earth. And then at the other end, there was a kind of a platform that served as a bedroom at night. That was, and in many cases still is, out in the country of the Middle East, that was the peasant's home. They had the platform because that's where they retired to bed, and when they went up there, uh, such animals as could be brought in came in and occupied the lower section. Uh, if there was a calf not too fat to come through the door, that was brought in. If there were a few sheep, they'd be brought in. And some chicken, they'd be brought in. And the cats and the dogs, they came in. Well, that was the only way to stop their being stolen during the night, you see. So not come on. Shut your eyes and see this, will you? There's the house. The dogs have curled up. They've gone to sleep. All the anim animals are asleep. Up on the deck, the old man, he's gone to sleep. And his wife, she's asleep. And the kids, there it is. And it's midnight. When suddenly, and accustomed as she was to listening to the cry of a baby, like that, the woman was awake. She listened. She said, Isaac, there's somebody at the door. He said, woman, go to sleep and shut up. It's midnight. So he got down and by and by. She said, listen, fella, there's somebody at the door. So he got up and he said, there's nobody at the door. Woman, go to sleep. What's eating you? By and by. She says, now will you believe? He got up and he said, who's there? It's your friend from down the street. Do you know what time it is? He said, sure, it's midnight. Well, for pity's sake, go home and go to bed. He said, I can't. I need help. I've just had a visitor. And I don't have any bread to set before him. And you know I can't starve the poor guy to death. I need help. Will you give me some loaves? So not in a very good mood, fellas. He maneuvered his way between the children, stepped down. By this time the dogs were growling and, and oh, what a mess. And he was like a battlefield, a battleship going through a minefield, you see. And he got to the door and he swung up the bar and there was his friend. He said, now what in the wide world's the matter with you? He said, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I know it's inconvenient, I know I'm a nuisance, I'm sorry. But a friend of mine came out of the dark and he knocked at my door and I had nothing to set before him. And, and, and I want you to help me help him. Could you lend me some loaves of bread so that I can feed the stranger? I said, I suppose I can. So we went and got three loaves of bread, and he handed them over. Now he said, get lost, will you? He put the bar back in place, and he went back to go to sleep. Now hang on. 
There are three men in my story. This is the chap who called all, all, all the trouble. Now, if he hadn't turned up, everything would have been marvelous, but he came out of the and he knocked on the door of the other fellow's house. He said, this is so-and-so, I've come to see you. This time of night? Sure, this time of night. And this fellow got up and he thought, boy, I'm in a fix. I've got nothing to set before him. So he went up the street and he knocked at the door of this man who ultimately gave him the loaves of bread. And having received the bread, he went back down to his own house and fed that man. So we've got three men in the story. Are, are you with me? Three men in the story. Now, we're going to give them a name. One of my Australian friends named them for me. Mr. Gold. Mr. Silver. And Mr. Mr. Gold, that's the fellow who's got bread. He's got supplies. He's got a built-in supermarket. There he is. Mr. Silver is the poor fellow who's embarrassed because he's got nothing to set before his guest. And Mr. Copper is the man who came out of the dark. Now then, I promise I won't do this again, but I have to do it tonight. If you're a minister, put your hand up. One, two, three, four. One, two. One, two, three, four. You don't have to take much because I did it for you. Yeah. I know, I, I was born. I know. <laughs> <laughs> I hope I'm right. Sorry. Will this anybody? Now then, come on, look at it because you'll go home and preach this. paragraph 2 to save time let us consider them individually and at the same time contrast and compare them with each other Mr. Gold obviously is not poor nor starving he possesses bread he is able to meet the needs of silver that is if he can be persuaded to do so Mr. Silver unfortunately has been caught unawares alas he has nothing he is most embarrassed because the man has just arrived and Silver has nothing to set before him. It is unfortunate, but Silver never felt so bankrupt in all his life. What could he possibly do at such a late hour? Suddenly he thought of his wealthy neighbor, Mr. Gold. He would get him out of bed even if he awakened everybody in the town. Mr. Copper has called all the problems. He did not know gold. Oh, he, he only knew silver. Maybe he had heard of gold, but they'd never met. And any knowledge either had of the other was only casual and superficial. He was very hungry. It was very dark. No shops were open. 
even if he had money to spend. The only possible thing to do was to visit Silver. Now, Silver was known to both gold and copper. He was the middleman, see? He could be a go-between if he could get gold out of bed. Now, that was the problem. And the only way to solve it was to hammer on gold's door. He succeeded in his mission, for ultimately gold gave three loaves of bread to Silver, and in feeding copper, even Silver obtained an unexpected feat. Wait a minute. Come on, fellas. Be honest. Are you with me so far? You're with me. If not, never mind. <laughs> now let's have a closer look at them. It is time to have a closer look at our three friends. Mr. Gold must be God. No other source can be found with enough of the bread of life to meet urgent needs. Gold has bread. Mr. Copper must be the world or the man who comes out of the darkness. The man is desperately hungry. Had he known God, he might have made direct contact with him, but alas, he is a stranger to the giver of every good and perfect gift. However, although he doesn't know gold, he does know silver. And silver must be the church who is the go between between God and the world. See? Silver is the church. But the poor guy's bankrupt. He doesn't have any food. Therefore, the request must be made to the only source he knows. Our picture, like a jigsaw puzzle, begins to take shape. A man comes out of the darkness hungry and seeking for food. But alas, the church is completely without supplies. She has nothing to offer until she gets it from God. That then is the problem. How to obtain from God the food needed to satisfy the need of a hungry world. Now let's taste it, gentlemen. If I'm stepping on your corns, you get your feet back out of the way. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you had all the academic distinction in the world. I don't care if you could preach a donkey's tail off. Left to yourself, you have nothing that can meet the need of a perishing world. And God has so placed you in the position that you are between the throne of God and dying people. Now, if they knew God, maybe they could make a shortcut, but they don't know God. But we do. We do what we are supposed to do. First of all, we will obtain from God what we need. And then we'll be able to give to the perishing world what they need. But if you ministers fall down on the job, everything is going to go wrong. 
Now, I was a pastor for eight years. I had six months of hell and seven and a half years of heaven. I've helped many pastors around the world, so I sure know what I'm talking about. Gentlemen, the trouble in the church today is that ministers are preoccupied in working overtime with unessentials. Working overtime growing stomach ulcers. And because you run off your feet doing this and that and that and that and that all week, it comes Saturday night and you haven't got your sermon for Sunday morning. So you stay up until 12 and 1 and 2 o'clock in the morning. And if you don't succeed in a hurry, you get up at 5 and continue the search. And if you're not too fortunate, you go to your Sunday morning service and you serve up burnt hamburgers instead of giving a decent meal. And the plain truth is that your church members who run you off your feet more than anybody else, they'll be the first to kick you and say, our pastor's got nothing to give. It's time we had a new minister. That's the situation. Silver had nothing. He was bankrupt. Hey, how do I know this? <laughs> because I've been there many times. I burned the midnight oil and got in a desperate panic and got up at five o'clock in the morning uh, and offered burnt offerings that weren't a sweet-smelling savor to my people. See? So then, if I am to fulfill the functions of my holy calling, I have to look into the face of God and so be stirred in my soul and I don't back off easily. It isn't that gold is reluctant to give. It isn't that God has to be coaxed. It is rather that God likes to see that the church and the pastor mean business. God said, you will find me when you seek for me with your whole heart. So we have three men. Each representing a sphere. Gold is God. The giver of bread. Silver is the church or the pastor. Who will get nowhere unless he first of all hammers on God's door. And gets what he needs. And then having gotten it. Back he goes to the fellow who caused all the trouble. And you know something? That boy in, in feeding copper he had to feed himself. Marvelous. Uh, the danger with me, I go off at the tangent. Uh, let's turn over the page. Now, don't forget how we started. We started all this business because the disciples asked the Lord to teach them to pray. Up on top left-hand corner of my chart, I've got three headings that you can have. Lord, how can we pray the same way that you're praying. How can we give the devil a heart attack? Persistent prayer. Look at it now. 
It must be remembered that primarily this story was told to help supply an answer to the disciples' request to be taught how to pray. Obviously, Silva's desire to obtain help had to be very intense. Had he abandoned his quest when the good man of the house replied, Trouble me not! He would have returned to copper empty-handed. He had to mean business. And his tenderest knocks on the door emphasized either, either, he would get bread from gold or gold would need a new door. Now this is prayer, gentlemen. Sometimes we pray prayers and waste half the time in the service. I'm not talking about praying prayers, I'm talking about praying. As I put it rather facetiously to people one day, I said, you know, you have to pray until all heaven's in an uproar. Until all heaven sort of looks at God and says, oh God, you better do something because that pastor down in that church, he's on the line and he won't let go, he's a nuisance. Come on, man, let's be honest. How long since you prayed like that? How long since you prayed and all hell had a nightmare because they were scared stiff that because of your prayer something was going to happen? In my native country, Wales, we have an old saying that the devil sleeps on the top of the church. And he never wakens up until there's a real revival underneath and then he's scared he has to do something or else. Let's read on. These are potent pills. The trouble with us is that we give up too soon. Later in this same scripture, Jesus cites three stages of prayer. Ask, which indicates a simple petition. Seek, which suggests persistence. Knock, which signifies perseverance. If real prayer is a battle against the forces of wickedness in high places, we need to put on all our armor. Battles are not one drinking coffee. It is not that gold is reluctant to give. God likes to see that his people really mean business. Now listen to this, gentlemen. The early church succeeded not because she had trained theologians, but she, because she had members who knew how to pray. Amen. 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 Yes, sir. As a matter of fact, there wasn't one trained theologian, as we say, there were disciples who had been with Jesus, and of course that was worth a half a dozen seminary trainings. But you know what I mean. There wasn't one trained professional man among them. But within a lifetime they sent the gospel through the known world. And I want to tell you now that if I could have a church like that, I'd stand on my full head for joy. 
we have graduated in this country, and I say this country because I'm an American citizen, we have graduated in banquets and hamburgers and the Lord knows what. But when it comes to real prayer meetings, in fact, we don't have a prayer meeting now unless we spice it up with an address from the pastor. Right. When I went to my church in Wales, the deacons looked at me. They said, Pastor, when we come to pray, we don't come to hear sermons. We pray. And if we must have the word of God, we'll have another night. So we went Monday and Tuesday. You tell that to your members and they'll have a heart attack. Do <laughs> you think all we have to do is go to church? That's why we're bankrupt. They knew how to pray. And if ever we learn that glorious lesson, you won't have to pray for revival, it'll be here. Number two, plentiful provision. Not how to pray, but how to preach. By the way, young man, and I can say that because I'll be 75 next birthday. If you master the art of preaching, you ought to go to heaven because you're no use down here. <laughs> the man who knows it all has lived too long. Why don't you sell insurance? Because you'd make a lot of money. You're so persuasive. If you feel you're no good and you're rotten and helpless, there's hope for you. Silver's problem was that he had a hungry man at his door. Now, he could have offered him a bed, but he could hardly supply blankets as a meal. Hunger could not be satisfied by chewing pillowcases. Silver might have offered entertainment, but a starving man needed more than a solo on a flute. Both silver and copper needed bread. And that bread had to come from gold. Similarly, the church must receive from God the only message which can meet the need of those who come to us out of the darkness. Silver did not ask for medicine, valuable as that might have been. He sought and obtained bread. This has always been God's antidote to hunger. When the church is in short supply of this valuable commodity, she ceases to be a church and becomes an eventide home for the aged, a social institution for the young. The bread of life which God supplies is the gospel of his redeeming love. It is God's commission to us that we preach that message, for without it, copper will remain hungry and will eventually die. Now, I know I'm going to step on corns, but you're getting Iver Powell at his best or at his worst. You make up your mind which. I'm only telling you what's the deep, burning conviction of my soul. Because we are faced in this country with an apathy that is deadly. Daddy, I've just come from a lovely church man, a lovely pastor, and I shocked them. I shocked them, I really did, because they have their own Baptist cemetery down there. 
I said, well, it's nice to know that uh, all the dead are not inside the church, any of them. And they sure looked at me. Some churches bury their dead outside. Some of them keep them inside because they're dead, but they won't lie down. <laughs> Come on, let's look again. It is God's commission to us that we preach that message, for without it, copper will remain hungry and will eventually die. Now, when we ask, what is the gospel? We might, that is if we so desire, liken the answer to the three loaves of bread, fresh from God's oven. Number one, man in spite of apparent respectability is a lost soul. Paul indicated that such are without God, without Christ, and without hope. Number two, although man is a lost soul, there is hope for the hopeless because Christ has died to redeem us. Faith in him can obtain forgiveness and his precious blood can effectively wash away our sins. To receive him is to receive the bread of life. For he said, he that eateth of me shall live forever. To preach that message in the power of the Holy Spirit is both the duty and the privilege of us all. Now, silver obtained three loaves. We hardly know how large these were, but obviously there was enough, at least temporarily, to continue to satisfy copper's hunger. Similarly, the church is commissioned not only to catch fish for the Lord, but when? To change our metaphor, when the fish have become sheep, then we must continue the feeding process until the babes in Christ grow up into the fullness of the measure of the stature of Christ. Hang on. I don't like the word gripe. But at the moment, I can't think of a substitute. Complaint? Ah, you choose one. Most of the ministers I meet these days, they don't preach the gospel, they talk about it. Now there's a vast difference between talking about fishing and fishing. You follow me? A vast difference. You can talk about casting the net or baiting the line and doing the lot. And never wet the line. This is where my gripe comes in. On a Sunday morning, it's the only time we are likely to get any visitors. That is, if you're in a city church. Unfortunately, it's the only time you get half the members. So, the pastor gives a Bible study to fatten up already fat old sheep. Sunday night, it's another message to Christians. And if an unconverted person came in, you'd go clean over his head. One of my old deacons said to me, Brother, Pastor, if I were a pastor, I'm not. 
I wouldn't waste my time feeding the sheep. They ought to be old enough to feed themselves. I'd feed the lambs, but that's all. It really grieves me when I go into a church on a Sunday morning or Sunday night during the few times when I'm not preaching and I don't hear the gospel. What right do you have to assume, pastors, that every member in your church is a Christian? What right do you have to assume that everybody there is one of God's flock? You might have some dying souls there because my little mother was a member of a Baptist church for 20 years and sang every Sunday in the choir but she could outcast my dad when she was in the temple. I don't know what about you but this is my honest sincere prayer. If ever the time comes when I don't hit the nail on the head and preach about the need of dying souls and exalt Christ and talk about his precious blood, I hope God will take me home before I ruin my ministry. Don't be content to feed your fat old sheep, but Dr. Powell, I don't have any unconverted. Then get them. I was in the church. Well, I wasn't in the church because I was in the theater which was packed out and in a big marquee. But one young pastor went to his church on Sunday and he had a great gospel sermon. He'd worked hard at it. And he sure shocked his people. He looked. He said, I know all you. You all love the Lord. I haven't got a fish in my pond. I'm not going to waste my sermon on you. Let's have a prayer meeting. And he said, by next Sunday, perhaps you'll get some fish into my pond and I'll go fishing. He shook them. We don't need to be shaken, gentlemen. We need an earthquake. We talk about the coming of the Lord. We talk about the importance of the Bible. We talk about the church. But all around us, even in our own family, they're dying. And we've gotten so used to their saying, oh, no, no, we give up. If silver had given up when the good man of the house said, I can't rise and give thee, wouldn't they have been in a mess? No, no bigger mess than you'll be in if you give up. Number three, pertinent preaching. When silver fed copper, he also fed himself. The joy of feasting became the joys of fellowship. There is no greater happiness than that of bringing a soul to Christ and watching that soul grow in the knowledge of the Lord. Yet at the same time it is incumbent upon all of us to remember that the church was meant to be far more than a spiritual restaurant. The church has always been a lighthouse warning people of perilous dangers and at the same time indicating the way to a safe harbor. To such a ministry we have been called. We dare not fail in our mission. Yesterday morning, a fine young man responded to my invitation. 
walked up the aisle. Uh, it was a little non-committal and hazy when he talked to the pastor. So the pastor directed him to the counseling room where I eventually talked to him. Angry is too strong a word. But I was angry. I was disgusted. Gentlemen, you're getting a look into the soul of an old man who has been preaching for 60 years. I was preaching before some of you were born. I said, son, when people come out like this, they come for one of three reasons. One, I want to be saved. Two, I'm a backslider needing to make a new start. Three, I'm a Christian, but I want to be a better one. I said, you're in there somewhere. He said, it's number three. Uh, I'm a Christian, I want to be a better one. I said, okay, listen. If you want to be a better Christian, at least you're some sort of a Christian already. Poorer one, you want to be a better one. He said, that's right. I said, okay. If you were even a poor Christian, that tells me there was a time when you were past somewhere when you went forward and made confession of faith. That's right. Were you ever saved? Were, were you ever absolutely sure that God had saved you and blotted out your sins? He said, well, um, um, I, I sort of felt a funny feeling. I said, anybody would get that walking up an aisle with hundreds of people looking at him. Were you ever sure you were saved? I said, all right, when you went forward, did the evangelist open the Bible and show you the word of God? No. Did anybody explain that you're a sinner and you're lost and the only hope is because Jesus took you a place on Calvary's cross and God says that because Jesus died when you come in simple faith, he'll forgive you? No. I said, then why did you go forward? Well, he said, the evangelist kept on asking and asking and asking and asking and asking and asking. And he said, I feel so empty, sir. Yes. Yeah. Gentlemen, listen in God's name. There are far more souls lost in the counseling room than were ever won from the pulpit. Don't trust your counselors. Some of them may be marvelous, will do the job better than you, but never take things for granted. Do you ever go fishing, gentlemen? Do you ever get a nice fish on and you struggle to get him in? And when he's within the yard, do you ever give the rod to somebody else? You must be stupid if you do. <laughs> yeah. When you go fishing for souls, if you get a bite to the best of your ability, land that one in the kingdom. And then you'll be like silver. You'll have gotten something from God and you'd have passed it on. It's to that you were called. This is the only night you'll have notes. These were leftovers. And God said, take those notes and talk about that subject. 
Now I'm going to do something that's going to keep you busy all the time. My subject for tomorrow evening, and come on man, see if you can find it. It's a, it's a subject from science fiction. The body snatchers. I'm going to talk about the man who risked their lives to steal a corpse. If you can find it. You're good listeners, but you'll be rotten Christians and ridiculous pastors if you don't lose from gold.